Welcome, everybody, to the Bandit Radio Hour. It's been a minute since we've been here. We're going to be getting a little bit back on track. I hope everyone's been doing good. Uh, thank all you fine folks for listening. Uh, this uh, Really, the support's been overwhelming. We keep growing, and I keep appreciating it more and more. Uh, Merce, how are you doing tonight? Fair. <laughs> Merce. Merce's birthday was last week, and he just had a bad week for it. We're not we're not gonna get into details of it, but old boy's had a tough run. <clears throat> He's had a rough time or two. But hey, we're gonna start off tonight a little bit lighthearted, and I have to talk about how I came upon a scene right before I came here. Actually, that was uh, I think it started out something like a Disney movie. And I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna start this story from where I came upon it. I'm gonna start it from where I believe it happened. It involved our two bottle-fed calves that we keep at the house, and we let them out. Uh, like they they stay in like a two-acre pen most of the time, and we not most of the time, like a little bit of the time, we let them out into like our backyard. It's like three or four acres. Let them graze around, and we feed them and stuff. So we let them out uh, about eleven o'clock, twelve o'clock, and let them graze. Now they can also get to the barn. But I section off, like, the hay part, where we keep all of our hay so they can't get into that. In our feed room, it shuts, but not good. Like, you got to jerk the door shut, and the, the knob doesn't even catch the latch all the way. Like, if you go up and slap it really hard, it'll open. Uh, so anyways, but everything's been good since I've been doing that for a couple of months. Well, I guess these peckerwoods are grazing in the barn, walk up, and they know the feed's in that room. They, they know they know that's where I pour their feed, and they'll follow me in there sometimes. So I know one of them got to look at the other one and said, listen, this dumbass ain't here right now. We can go in this feed room, and we're going to have everything we can eat. We'll eat till we're stupid, and we can't move anymore. So they, they mosey over, and this is like a Disney Pixar heist movie. They make their way. One of them starts kicking, starts headbutting. They wiggle that door open. They see the one open bag of feed and the six closed bags of feed laying on the side. That's one rider. The red, he's red and white. Makes his way in and dolly behind him. They get to turf. They get to eat a little bit of it. They're enjoying themselves so much that they turn around and shut the door behind them. So you have two calves that are about four hundred pounds each stuck in a room at eleven o'clock in the morning. Eleven or twelve o'clock, we're guessing they got in there. I go out to feed up at 6 o'clock this afternoon, and this has been in the Florida sun. They've been in a room with no AC and 10 on top. And as I'm looking around, Ryder, Dolly, where y'all at? Got milk bottles for y'all. We're looking around. My mom goes, Josh, I see him through the window of the tack room. All the windows are shut in there, by the way. What I opened the door to. I bet it smelled amazing. Looked less like a Disney movie and more like the bathroom from Saul. Only so much worse. These poor calves have been there for six hours. And I'm sure, I'm sure like they got to eat and at one point went like, Hey, Dolly, how are we going to get out of this motherfucker? It's all right. It's all right. Just keep eating the feed. It's no. And dude, there was probably a half an inch of shit and piss 
coated on every floor. The calves, when I opened the door, were slipping and sliding in it. Feed everywhere, mud everywhere, piss and shit everywhere. We did this to ourselves, but we're glad you're here. <laughs> yeah, like the, the gl- glaze at our, gl- not glaze, gaze at our gluttony. <laughs> that, that's when it learned. Then they ran out and drank like a gallon of water each and started eating grass, so... That's uh, that's what I got into before I came here, and I was just like, you know what? There's a lesson to be learned there. I'm not learning it anytime soon, but I hope some of y'all did. Uh, keep going after what you want. To hell with anything that gets in your way. That's what I learned. <laughs> oh, so that's how my day has started. I've made it to Mercer's Shack. We are recording. We attempted this two nights ago. And one part, I don't know how much I was feeling like recording. The other part was... Uh, my I pro- was blind drunk. My producer was wasted. Uh, and got into a rant about the Andy Griffith show that went on far too long. And uh, I stand by that. That might be a soundbite one day. It might be. We might release that on the secret files or something like that. But I, I tell y'all, if uh, anybody out there is under 75 and has any inkling of interest of why Andy Griffith... Merce, don't correct me. I'm just stood down the federal government to help a town drunk on top of his house that was shooting at people? No, but it started with the town drunk. Okay, okay, okay. So, Merce will explain that in autistic drunken detail on a later episode, on a later clip. Uh, but yeah, so let me think. What's happened since our last uh, episode? Well, our last episode will actually be coming out today as we're recording. Uh, so, but since since we put one out... Oh, school shootings! That happens... Everything, not just schools anymore. Like after a graduation party, and there's, I think there was another one today. Really? Yeah. Well, uh, conservative talking point incoming, which is a correct one. There's in Chicago and DC and Baltimore every single day, but oh, yeah. uh, it never goes reported. Uh, hell, I think Bradenton. I remember when I went to school over there. Someone looked this up. I might, I might be wrong, and I'm welcome to the criticism. But one of the things I heard about Bradenton when I was going to school in like 2011, 2011, 2012, was that on average in Bradenton, Florida, between that that city and Sarasota, which were like neighboring cities, on average for an entire year there was one drive-by shooting a day. But I mean, like the the one conservative talking point that's valid is this stuff happens every day it, to lower income neighborhoods it, and it just never gets reported because that doesn't scare the hell out of the middle class uh, George Carlin you know it, it's a joke I did not understand until the last very few years and by the way he's one you ever listen to George Carlin the comedian yes a little bit yeah dude listen to him in 2022 his stuff he would do in the early 90s It'll blow your mind. He's so far ahead of the curb. And I remember listening to him, like, right when I got out of high school, starting college. I'm like, I don't, I mean, I agree with some of your stuff, but, like, some of it, I don't I don't even get where you're coming from. Now that I'm an adult, you know, with my mind and watching, I go, oh, God, he was right about a lot. Uh, but one of the things he said, he said the rich, he said the, the way our system is set up, and he would say it was intentionally set up this way, and I don't know if I fully agree with him on that. But he said, the rich is there to give the middle class something to obtain, something to strive towards, something to keep them working, but uh, something they'll never reach, or very very seldom, very like a lottery. It's like dangling a carrot. <laughs> dangling a carrot. And he goes, uh, middle class there to work. The poor class is to uh, motivate the working class to keep working. 
And the only reason we have homeless is to scare the shit out of everybody to make sure they keep <laughs> doing it. And like back then I was like, that's not true. Now I'm like, oh, we might have a point. There's a lot more homeless people than there used to be. Uh, Fear. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you know, the thing is, I mean, California gets a lot of shit as they should. Uh, I mean, man, you were so like the, the biggest cities around us are like what, uh, not, not even the biggest, but just some of the, some you would definitely call cities and not towns. Would it be like Port Charlotte, Sarasota, Fort Myers? Dude, you see homeless camps. You see, you see homeless families. Like, and I'm like, oh, that's not like a homeless man and a homeless lady that had babies. No, that was a family that was living in a house that's, yeah, that got evicted. That don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm as like <clears throat> liberate as they come when it comes to contracts and stuff like that. But man, that's, um, on one hand, you can't, ooh, all right, let's get into this murky gray area. Can't save everyone. You can't save everyone. You can't literally. That'll doom everybody with that mindset. That's communism. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, kind of. That's an arguable point. But I mean, like, dude. On one hand, if you sign a contract that says, I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars a month. And if I fail to pay that, you can come and take my house. That's a contract you signed, Bubba. You're the one that's gambling your family yeah. on this. And hey, dude, if it's a secure gamble, like, you know, 99% chance winning because you make a shitload of money or whatever, you got things going right, great. But, you know, the lower that percentage goes, the more of a risk and the higher, you know, if you're gambling your family on. Uh, but on the other hand, to give one analogy, so like my family, I think, Merce, tell me if this is right, at least from my personal experience growing up, might be one of the families, for me, might call land rich, dirt poor. Yeah, that's how most of the big families yeah. are, really. And my mom, who had, like, personally a 100-acre ranch in Mayaka with an old farmhouse on it, uh, there was an elderly couple who were a sweet old couple. Oh, no, the old man ended up kind of being an asshole in his later years. But... They asked her when they got evicted if they could rent from her cheap now because they had a lower income of like $150 a month. And my mom, just knowing them personally, was like, yes, I'll, I'll let y'all stay. And uh, they never paid it once. <laughs> they, they never paid. But my mom, because she has too much of a heart of gold, could like not kick this kind old couple yeah. out. And I'm like, and that's. If all you're doing is going to banks to, like, get your loans or, like, some landlord that doesn't know you that you're depending on rent, like, don't expect them to have sympathy when you're the one that's made this gamble of your living situation. I, I think I'm a bad person because I probably would have kicked them out. Dude. Or then my mind was like, well, then I'd make them work for me. Like, I'd make the old lady, like, crochet stuff. I was like, oh, no, that's a sweatshop. <laughs> that's how my mind went that's called tenant farming <laughs> <Whoa>. <laughs> sharecroppers um, no but like and I don't know like really I'm even mixed on that because I knew the people personally and I'm like I'm happy my mom wasn't heartless and kicked these old people out onto the streets but it's like at the same time like can y'all get together a hundred freaking dollars to pay my mom a month like that's I know, I know you're on food stamps because you're poor. I know, which like God, God bless or you, whatever. Slide some of them free steaks over. <laughs> some of these steakums. 
Hey, by the way, <laughs> side note to my side note. Amy and government cheese. <laughs> Have you ever seen Stakem's Twitter account? No. Dude, you know what stakeums are, yes. right? This, it's like, you know how like corporations have these Twitter accounts trying to be like hip and cool and right. tweet that dude, the guy that owns stakeums said, screw all that. I am saying my opinion <laughs> and you all go to hell. And you could tell he's like a conservative leaning guy. But I think he's more of just a he's more of a you than he is a conservative. He's like, I'm just gonna talk shit and ruffle feathers. And yeah. and you see people reply like, Do you not have anything better to do than be on social media all day? No, I own stakeums. This, <laughs> this is my this is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> Wendy's will throw shade too. Dude, he will no, dude, he does it in like a different way than Wendy's. Yeah. Like Wendy's will throw shade, but maybe <laughs> maybe we'll do some colorful editing and that here in a second you listeners will hear me adding some of his great tweets on here but we'll, we'll look them up and cut them in they're they're great we'll share them to the share them to follow me at bandit radio hour we'll, we'll share we'll uh, quote tweet some of their tweets they're golden man if you get tired of i'm not even going to say they're anti-woke or woke they're, they're like not either they're just like sh- little shit starters yeah. and i i mm, i love that i like the iron cheek Dude, I, <laughs> I turned him on to this. All right, sorry if we're going into Twitter nerd territory. I didn't have a Twitter until six or seven months ago. Uh, and people, I got to tell you, it is fun. It's definitely unhealthy, but it is fun. <laughs> it is just shit-talking the app. And no one takes it too seriously. Uh, that I mean, there's some... All right, all right, hang on. There's two, to, to me... Twitter is good for two things. One is trolling and shit talking. It's it's wonderful hearing dumb people with very dumb bar low bar opinions just get swatted out of the stadium. Uh, but then, like I think we talked about this on the first episode when like the Ukraine and Russia war was breaking out. It's like oh. We don't have to watch CNN to get the war coverage. We're listening to Ubek in, in Ukraine in his backyard with an iPhone filming a U.S. bought Apache helicopter fight, fight a Russian helicopter. And those were some wild footage. Yeah. So, I mean, some of them were video games they got debunked later, but... Oh, yeah, like, yeah, like I what? I can tell they were video games. What was it? The ghost? I, mean, I loved all the old people sharing it and, like... You guys need your glasses because that's boomers. Clearly, clearly pixeled, but <laughs> man, uh, the, I don't mean this about every boomer, and I don't like to believe in collectives, but collectively, in this one instance, boomers might be the worst generation that ever grazed the earth. Uh, and here's my hang on. Here's my best evidence that boomers will probably agree with. Look at us. Yeah. Look at our generation that y'all raised. Like, <laughs> like it's. It's all going to hell. <laughs> it's, I mean, there's optimism in the future, but Dave Smith had it. Like, you know, there was problems with the really old. When I say the old ways, I mean like stuff like something that blew my mind. And I see a lot of Mexican immigrants do like the old, old ways of like kind of how a lot of Americans used to be. And one of the examples was, and I, I'm not even saying I don't agree with this technically, Uh, One of the guys I've worked with, if his wife was outside and like I came up to like ask him for something like that, she went inside. Like the woman's not in the front yard when another man's there because that's no like that. She doesn't talk to you. I talk to you. I'm the man. Like, dude, there's a lot of stuff wrong with that system. Like when it comes to, (laughs) I mean, 
we can always throw them in asylums. <laughs> that, was their, that was their solution. Like, look, they're getting uppity from all the suppression we're giving them. Let's throw them in a nut house. Uh, but no, but like, when you go 180 degrees the other direction, there used to be a there used to be a right and a wrong. Like there is a way that men treat women, and there were wrong. There were parts about that that was wrong. But there's also very noble and virtue, virtuistic, virtuistic yeah. parts of it. Like something you hear women complain about a lot of days. Like they don't hope, hold the door open for me. They don't da 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 da. da. It's like well, the rules kind of went out the window twenty years ago, and I'm not even. I'm not even complaining because I still do that shit because I enjoy doing that shit. Like that's how my parents raised me. I could, but you, you gotta, you can't, you can't ask for it one way and then you don't follow your like role. Yeah, yeah, you, like and what it's done. And I don't even blame the chicks. I'm not even necessarily blaming the chicks on this one. It's when they had the counter revolution in the '60s. They said all the stuff we've been mostly doing the past couple of hundred years. Most now there were segments of society that didn't follow along with any of that crap that did their own thing. But for, for a large part of the medium, men wore suits, women wore dress, you know. And look, but when you threw all that out, there's no, there's no foundation to grab onto. It's like now it really depends on the chick or the guy you talk to that's either like, yes, I'm a fan of these virtuous old ways or no to hell with the old ways. I believe in equality. Get your own damn door. Uh, <laughs> like, but there, here's the thing. Here's what I'm getting at with that. There's valid. I see validity either way. Either way. Yeah. Both of them have great points. Both of them have great criticisms. And the fact that people pick a hill to die on on that on either side, I'm just like, well, Let's just do what makes you happy. <laughs> like, well, if, if you like the old ways, find a woman that likes the old ways. If you don't like them, find a stripper. <laughs> They're very anti-old ways. <laughs> don't give me your money. Uh, well, unfortunately, there's not even any strippers in Arcadia. It could be worse. There could be strippers in Arcadia. Not, let me. You, you painted a picture. I no, see I've seen I, it. I, I've, yeah. I've, there was, it, when I lived in Corsicana, Texas, which is a town roughly the size of Arcadia, they had a strip club that had closed down called Whispers. <laughs> and that's how everybody said, you want to go to Whispers. <laughs> and they all said it under their big Texas mustache to give it a little extra feathers on it. And Now, here's the thing. The cowboy I worked with in Texas, Austin. See, technically, to give a woman money to take her clothes off in that part of Texas was illegal. So how they got around this was you went to Whispers and you bought Whisper Dollars. <laughs> and you gave those to the stripper. Literally paid in Whispers. <laughs> and let me tell you, I would ride around Texas with this cowboy who was just my age, a little millennial cowboy. And he'd like he's like five foot eight. And God bless him. He's my favorite. Not five foot eight. He's a little shorter than that. He's my favorite kind of short person, opposite of Napoleon complex. Like, we'll talk shit about him being short. And he, we'd be riding through Course Candy. He goes, whisper stripper right there. I'd be like, oh, God, did they, did they tattoo the stretch marks on her? Like, just, it's a good thing small towns don't have strip clubs. That's why I've only ever been to Emerald City once. And that's in a bigger town than here. Dude, Port Charlotte. did you go on amateur night? No. I went on for a buddy's birthday. We were like 19 or 20. 
and bad. Dude. One girl had a lish. She's like, you want a dash? <laughs> I remember y'all talking about that. And I was like, no. <laughs> Dude, I've been a handful of times to, to a strip club, like once in New Orleans and Emerald City in Port Charlotte. That That's it. And I... I don't get the significance. There's a whole internet out there that doesn't cost any money. But, uh, no, the hell was I going with that? Uh, whisper dollars. No, not whisper dollars. Amateur night. It was amateur night. That's what I was talking about. So this is what this was at Port Charlotte. I've never, I don't know, I'm, I'm pretty certain there's got to be other strip clubs that do it. I haven't heard of it. But what it basically was, I think it was like the second Wednesday of every month. They would have amateur night. And what that was, I mean, they got the regular strippers. They got on like a schedule. But on amateur night, anybody could get up on stage. Anybody from all, I think, I think maybe the only requirement was that. You had to be 18. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although it wouldn't surprise me if real slutty 17 year old snuck up there a couple of times. But the one night I went there, dude. This is, it's a big strip club, right? I mean, like, space-wise, you can walk around, yeah. what, what, like, 50 yards by 30 yards, like the walk area? I don't I've know. Never, I've never heard someone measure, <laughs> measure that. I was thinking football yards, something relatable. Never mind. It's, yes, a, it's a large building. It's a large building. Dude, it was crammed shoulder to shoulder. And I guess on amateur night, there's, like, if there's, they have, like, one of those machines that measures the volume of the crowd, and whoever gets the most volume whoever wins gets like I'm, I'm trying not to exaggerate i wanted to say it was like 10 grand or something stupid huh dude you saw women dude like i don't care about strip clubs it's one of the most brilliant capitalist invention by women like oh yes men give us our give us your money we're gonna get you very horny and drunk so you'll give us more money then we're sending you home i'm not a big fan of lap dances for that reasons but i do like being able to have a beer in my hand and look at titties that's nice that like for the aesthetic <laughs> yeah. like like yeah yeah but uh dude taking that out of it if those women were fully clothed and do like dude they could work for circus soleil there were chicks that came from miami from jacksonville like that all go to emerald city on that one night to try to get, and even if they don't get the 10 grand, they get a ton of money and just tips from everybody there. Uh, so yeah, Emerald city was wild. Don't go anymore. Like I, I think the last time I went to a strip club, I might've been 21 and I'm 31 now. I just good, good for everybody else that does it. Not my thing. All right. That was like, I know I started out mentioning shootings, but, uh, we detoured hard, but we're going to get back onto that. Actually get off the fun stuff for a minute. So, uh, yeah, the shooting in Buffalo, I mean, it's been some time since it happened. <laughs> like three weeks, I'm sure it doesn't seem that long to the people that fucking got shot. <laughs> but the ones that are still alive, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, it, uh, I don't know, that sucks. It. So, where did it happen at? The one in Buffalo. Supermarket? At a supermarket? Yeah. Yeah, it's in Buffalo in New York. And I don't, I didn't follow anything more, but something about one of the cops or off duty guys killed had invented a water powered car. Oh yeah, that I, was, I the, never, I never followed. No dude, more. he's got a ute. So, all right, this is something we can, sure. Why not? We've talked about enough conspiracies. What's one more to add to the batch? Um, I'd buy that car with whisper dollars. <laughs> Hashtag bring back whisper dollars. It's going to be the new cryptocurrency, whisper dollars. It actually started in Texas. 
But uh, no, so uh, I read about this, then Merce sent me it, and it made me investigate a little more. One of now here's here's my thing. I I think Alex Jones takes it a couple steps too far. I don't believe in crisis actors unless there is some really sufficient evidence, but I haven't seen enough sufficient evidence. Uh, do I believe that there could be a person capable of shooting up a place to just deliver a political message, like make it a guise that, you know, fill in the blank. They could work for the CIA. They could be by themselves wanting to just be a lone wolf and send out a political message. Uh, but I know that guy that did the Buffalo shooting, he was a weird kind of political mix. Like he had a rebel flag, but he also quoted like the communist manifesto. He was like, for, for how I best heard him described, and I didn't read through all of his manifesto and stuff, was like very author racist authoritarian left wing. Not all the pieces like, together. I, I think uh, uh, probably a good way of saying it was like economically he was left wing like oh we shouldn't have CEOs and like it should be like distributed amongst the people and yeah the white people <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I think that was his but also you saw in his in his freaking room I saw pictures of his room he was a uh, what do they call him bronies like the My Little Pony people? Yes. Oh. Dude, yeah, there's like, it's weird. You see a big ass rebel flag, then right right beside it, you see all these like My Little Pony statues and stuff. And I'm like, Whoop. I bet he didn't own any black ponies. What? <laughs> Probably had some weird kink with only the black ones. Uh, but uh, no, so that was him. But one of, the, one of the people that got murdered, so I saw in the meme, it's like, hey, let's, I can't remember his name. We might have to look it up and add it to the notes in post-production or edit it and slip it in here in about five seconds. Uh, the guy started a YouTube channel on how he was making a car that runs on water. And the, it was like a legit YouTube channel and him figuring out he just happens to be one of the people that got killed. And there's this famous uh, Opie and Anthony uh, show. Uh, a thing they did where it was, man, it was probably like 15, 10 to 15 years ago. And I never even listened to a lot of Opie and Anthony. This is just one of their things. They're looking up a guy who invented a, a car that runs on water. And they were like, let me guess, suicide by gun. And like, why they're on air joking about it, their producer looks it up. is like, oh, the guy did commit suicide shortly after he invented the car. So that's like 10 to 15 years ago. Aaron Salter Jr. Aaron Salter Jr. His name. And three days ago, an article was released saying that his slaying was unrelated to his work on water-powered engines. Have yeah. to explicitly say that. Unrelated to water-powered engines. What a, what an odd thing to say. Yeah, we're going to get into more of people, the, the press releasing very specific wording to give us the news on things. That it's, it's, yeah, why do you have to say it like that? Yeah. But as far as the Buffalo shooting, yeah, one of the people that were killed was... Uh, was a guy that was working on making a car run on water. And check out his YouTube channel for yourself. What's his name one more Aaron time? Aaron Salters Jr. Aaron Salters Jr., just to be clear on that. So, uh, yeah, we get that. And two weeks later, Uvalde happens. Uh, I got to say, as the title of uh, two episodes ago at this point will be, is Convenience. Yeah. Now everyone's no remembering the Democrats for gun control and not 
COVID and not wrecking the economy and not. By the way, hang on. Or arming Afghanistan. But but yeah, uh, and by the way, I'm sorry. Not just the Democrats, the Republicans too. Because we got to remember during this COVID lockdown, there's only like three governors that stood up against this. There's yeah. DeSantis or who. If we were going to have a monarch of Florida, I mean, I, I'd be like, all right, he, for, for a monarch, <laughs> we, we could take him. Uh, but him, Abbott, and the lady in North Dakota or South Dakota, I can't remember which one it was, but she actually, oh, right. yeah. she actually never locked down. And I was like, how libertarian of you? And she said, by the way, we will make sure weed is never legal in this <laughs> state. And I'm like... What? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Pick your poison. You can go outside, but you can't get high. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. They're still in the 50s down there. You can cough in your neighbor's face, but not if it's from weed smoke. Uh, Christy Noem? That might have been. If that's her name, I'm impressed with myself. Uh, so, yeah, th- anyways, everybody's forgetting about the COVID crap, and we're all looking at gun control. Like, there is a part of my brain that at least admits, like, huh, that conveniently fits a narrative for the powerful, but I could be absolutely wrong. Could be coincidence. Could truly just be convenience. Um, Christy Nolan. Yeah, I was right. Wait, South Dakota or North Dakota? South Dakota. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was North Dakota, so I was wrong about that. Uh, so the Uvalde shooting. Um, good God. So many things. So many things about this. Don't add up uh, from, from like, what, the guy did have a background check? Yeah, that's what they said originally. That's what they said originally. He did have a background check. It sounds like a town that's about as poor as Arcadia. What, the median income's like 40 grand a year or something like right. that? And the guy gets a F- F-150 that probably... Yeah, it was originally, originally his, but then it came out later that, no, he stole it from his grandmother. But- yeah. All of it, all of it's weird. Uh, that morning, he shot his grandmother, and oh, and he got two AR-15s. So hang on, I'm jumping around a little bit. He got an F-150 and two AR-15s, and like somehow got what? He's 20 years old. No, like 18. 18. So that I mean, I just know. I know I didn't have that money at that age. Yeah, he had some higher dollar ones. Yeah, who knows how he acquired that? Maybe he was a drug dealer. Like I'm, I'm trying to. Yeah. Not paying it so conspiratorial. I'm trying to at least steel man the narrative's I feel like argument. He just had a letter slipped under his door, and there was like, "There's a duffel bag in the dumpster." <laughs> no, I feel like it was more like he got a phone call and he answered it. It was like, "Hello," and they were like, "The fox quietly trots at midnight," and he was like, "Oh, activate!" <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, he was MK Ultra. They switched yeah. him on, but uh, so he gets there he, that morning. He he starts out by shooting his grandmother in the face. Over phone bill or something i'm not i'm not even sure what it was over but she turned the face she calls the cops within minutes he has driven to the school after he posts on facebook and private messages to people i'm gonna go shoot up a school uh on that note let's take a break uh, take a take a sidestep on that i see a lot of people in the media going like well why didn't facebook immediately report that he was said that he was shooting up a school it's like you realize how many people say something similar to that and don't do it? Yeah. Like, my main thing is, like, the old school Xbox live chats. Like, they're not so bad as they used to be. But 
I wonder how many times someone said, I'm going to come over and shoot you and your whole family if you kill yeah. me one more time in Team Deathmatch. That's what's wrong with today's kids. They didn't have to grow up in that. Yeah, we were, we were baptized in fire. <laughs> <laughs> if you sucked, people let you know it. <laughs> you got called, like, just the most creative names. Like, it was imp- like the insults were impressive. Yes, they, they really were. As impressive as the name tags. But we're, we're getting on a little bit of a side rant. Uh, so... This guy gets into the school, and what, it's an hour later? Yeah. Well, the, no, no, no. Police arrive within 30 minutes. Something. But when, when he first got into the school, they uh, they said he was a, approached by a security guard or yeah. whatever. And then it turns out that there never was a security guard on yeah. campus in the first place. Yeah. And we finally got the timeline pulled up in front of us so we can be official about this from the Washington Examiner. But yeah, there was... That's one of the first inconsistencies, like Merce just said. No saying there's a security officer when there's not. And you would think, you would, you'd think they'd know that before they'd say it to the press. Yeah. Like you would think just in the interest of covering their own ass. I think there was supposed to have been one is the problem. Oh. And yeah, there's probably someone pulled them off or. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so anyways, here's our like official timeline from the Washington Examiner. At 11.28, Ramos, cra- Ramos, the shooter, crashes the car near the school. And at 11.40, Ramos enters the school. What was that, 12 minutes? Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, okay. Uh, at 11.43, the school locks down in response to gunshots. So that's three minutes after he's entered the school. The school is locked down. At 11.44, cops arrive, police officers arrive on the scene. And now uh, they had been called to him shooting his grandmother in the face that she survived. So they were already, like, aware. Something was going on. Something wild was going on. Because they went to his house to try to see her. And then I'm not sure if they chased him. I don't think they chased him. I think he got, no, no, no. And then he crashed into the school. Uh, So at 11.44, four minutes after he gets there, Police officers arrive on the scene. Ten minutes later, at 11.54, family members start to plead with police officers to do something. So apparently it's been ten minutes of assessing the situation. Which, hey, all right, let me... So I really... I don't want to just egg on my... I don't want to bash them. I don't want my bias. I want to keep my bias in check. Like, my natural bias is to be critical of the socialist police departments, uh, the government-enforced ones. But I'm going to really try hard to be fair. Uh, So for 10 minutes, they're at least assessing the situation uh, from 1144 to 1154. Then at 12.23, Uvalde police provide an update. So 1154 to 12.23, what is that? 30 minutes? Yeah, just about 30 minutes. Well... Hang on, since they arrived, it's about 45 minutes. It's about 45 minutes since they arrived, they start providing an update. At roughly 12.40, 17 minutes later, Border Patrol arrives and does what needs to be done. Some dude with a shotgun from a barber, which we're going to get into that in a minute. Just hold your horses. I like that guy. Uh, And at 1.06 p.m., police announce Ramos has been stopped. My homeboy with a shotgun. Um, so that's the timeline. And I'm going to try very hard not to tear them apart. 
actually, let me take that back. Merch corrected me, and we wanted to make sure we keep it straight. Uh, that supposedly, so they're saying in the official account that is ever changing. The guy did. The guy with the shotgun did not kill him. Like it, I thought that was spread around on Facebook and social media posts. Um, it's the one sharp side of the sword that we don't like on social media is a rumor can fly around the world before the truth gets its pants on. But right now we're not even sure what the truth is. Um, so something else we were looking at was uh, how NPR had a really good article, which uh, that's something you might never hear me say again. Uh, on it's the biggest shifts of the official account of the Uvalde shooting. And like Merce said, at first they said there was a security officer there on standby, and then, bloop, that disappeared. No, that's not right. Uh, even Greg Abbott, it, it says that this, uh, Abbott said he'd been, quote, misled about the police response to the shooting. Uh, I know the police chief refused to cooperate anymore with the Texas Rangers that were assisting with the investigation. Oh, nice. Yep. And... Get him, Walker. <laughs> if only. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he'd roundhouse kick all them damn people to the face. But uh, also, he got elected to city council, but like that was when the real conspiracy part of my mind started turning the gears. He, he won the election like a couple of months ago or last year or something. He got officially sworn in. However, what's usually a public event, they decided to do behind closed doors and not have any press, which... If I'm steel manning them, they might want to say something like, well, it's a, a meeting that has to do with him getting the city council position and not with the Uvalde shooting. And if there's press there, of course, they would ask him a bunch about the Uvalde shooting, which apparently he is in no position to give answers on. <laughs> no. Nobody has them. No. And like, for one, I can understand the cops assessing the situation for ten, the situation for 10 minutes. I figure once you start hearing shooting, you can figure out where it's coming from though, <laughs> at least the general yeah. direction. Uh, but I, I could give them 10 minutes. Hell, I give them 20 minutes for figuring it out. Uh, you've got a large group of parents there that are screaming their head off at you while you're trying to figure something out. No, I would say like that would cut them some slack, but even then you, Oh God, I hate myself. But at least from what I see in the movies and on shows, and uh, like, if I'm being for real, that's my reference point here. I mean, they have some power to keep people back to let them concentrate and figure out a situation. Uh, but good God, man, when there's just kids getting teed off on and you're just sitting there waiting. And I've, I read one quote that said they were worried the shooter has body armor. Yeah. And it's like, who, who do, do the firefighters care that the fire is hot? <laughs> like, but like, do they, they still like, they might die. They still go in there and try to save people. And like someone can make the argument, what's, there's a little bit there for like, well, they didn't want to rush in and maybe get too many more people killed. It's like, yes, but I'm sure a firefighter could have that logic on. He doesn't want to step on the wrong floorboard and send the whole place down. Like you can make that logic on anything. Uh, you can't demand perfection from these guys, but I'll tell you the fact that a mom got put in handcuffs by them and then got out of handcuffs. Uh, they never really got heavy on the details on if they let her out or if she got out herself. At least I couldn't find it. Ran inside, saved her two kids and ran out. If she could do that, 
which uh, devil's advocate, maybe they're in a really far part of the school that the shooter wasn't in or something like that. Cops were smashing windows and getting kids out. But a couple of things. I'm going to try to stay away from the typical tropes because I am very pro, not even pro Second Amendment. I mean, I, I guess I technically am. I'm, I'm for the right for you to be able to bear your, to, to self-defense and whatever form that comes in. Uh, hand grenades out of vending machines whatever <laughs> <laughs> whatever hey if um if you use it it's on you uh, and you know, let the community do with you what they want you know you throw it out in some cow pasture somewhere and don't hurt nothing that's one thing you do it in downtown i'm sure there's gonna be like five families wanting to rip you limb from limb the only thing that would probably stop them is the law yeah. uh and which uh, yeah but here's my thing like when i'm hearing I'm hearing in a lot of the debate right now about AR-15s. I'm hearing a lot of conservatives quote the Second Amendment. And God bless you guys. I appreciate it. The, like, the part of me that does a soft spot for that document, which is very small, that's like the one part I really appreciate people believing in a lot. The thing that drives me crazy, especially with these quote-unquote constitutional experts... That you'll see on Fox News. I, I, I see him on Fox News. So that's what I walk by. My, my real bone to pick is with a Mr. Mark Levin. Have you ever heard of this dude? No. No. He's an analyst on Fox News. He has his own radio show. And he is, you know, like, by God, if he pins his whatever you pin on anything, what it is that he understands, like, of all the people at Fox News, he understands the Founding Fathers and he understands, the you know, all the constitutional amendments and stuff. And the guy was saying, okay, this might have actually been before the shooting, but I'm certain this is being recirculated, is that, man, if only our founding fathers could have just been a little more clear and more precise on that wording in the Second Amendment. It's like, you know what? I kind of agree with you at, at first glance, Mark Levin. That's a good point. If only they wrote like dozens and dozens of pages to further explain what they meant when they wrote the Constitution. Oh, turns out they did. They're called the Federalist Papers and the Anti-Federalist Papers, and nobody brings them up. You know why nobody brings them up? Because they destroy any argument of like, oh, the Founding Fathers couldn't have envisioned people with weapons of war or whatever. Laughs and privateer. Our (laughs) government hired privateers, private citizens with warships to conduct war on their behalf. And you didn't have to have a special license. You just like like hey I'm hiring oh U.S. government you want to pay me sure you're a customer you steal your money to pay for it but whatever it's all money to me but uh, let me give you one quote like just to put this in perspective this is one of the Federalist Papers and I'd like to thank a very nice lady on Twitter who shared a lot of these quotes uh, I can't remember her name or her call out but I want to thank her in case she ever listens to this but uh, she released a lot of these clips from the Federalist Papers. And this is from uh, Richard Henry Lee, uh, Federal Farmer Number 18, written on January 25th, 1788. Quote. And he's, he's a, my, hang on, back up from that quote. He's expounding, he, he's giving out the argument for why we wrote the Second Amendment and to further explain it. And this is why I hate these supposed constitutional experts. Because listen, they, you'll never hear them bring this up. Quote. A militia when properly formed, are in fact the people themselves, 
and include, according to the past and general usage of the states, all men capable of bearing arms. To preserve liberty, it is essential that the whole body of the people always possess arms and be taught alike, especially when young, how to use them. Unquote. So, to get like the old fancy language out, like to, in summary for my redneckerians out there, uh, pretty much the people are the militia that is spoke of in the Second Amendment. Like, it's all of us. And he says it very clearly, like, we expect y'all to know how to use guns. Raise them, start them young. So literally, start them young, teach them how to practice, because that's how you have to preserve liberty, is everybody has to have a gun. And you know, I could sit here and when people say like, what? When people in the same breath say, the AR-15 is a weapon of war, and then in the next breath say, what, you expect to use an AR-15 to take on the federal government? And it's like, which one is it? (laughs) It can't be both. (laughs) So, like, the point of us being armed, I wouldn't even say is precisely to lead a revolt against the government. Uh, that's a part of it if things get too out of control. But actually, I, b- I believe the main chunk of it is it's a lot harder to boss people around when they got guns. When they ain't got any way to defend themselves, it's as easy as signing a piece of paper. And you can make... All the people with the shiny badges and the nice uniforms do whatever you make people do whatever they want. But if everyone's got guns, that shifts that playing field. That is like, oh, I got to make these people do what I want and somehow have them go along with it. I can't just stick a gun in their face and go do it or else because then they whip out the gun and go, all right, or else. (laughs) I've been waiting forward for this. Waiting for it. No, blah, blah, blah. I've been waiting for this and looking forward to this. Not both together that was weird uh but yeah you'll never hear the constitutional experts bring this up why why wouldn't they bring this up if this is such like a slam dunk by the way this is like one quote of like 20 i sat down and read yesterday that is explicitly like even in the first amendment like one of the arguments they're making is like well should it be legal for people to be able to openly publish lies and the response to that is like yes it should be because it might be bad of people lying. What's worse is a government picking what is a lie and what is the truth. Like in all these federalist papers, they get, cause you know, they teach us in the public indoctrination centers that we just kind of woke up one day and the founding fathers who just got done meeting in secret with no press whipped out a constitution said, Hey, Amer- Hey America, here's the new law. And everybody went great idea. Let's go along with that. No, like, They had to pin up Federalist Papers and be like, here's our extensive argument on how this minimal government is supposed to work. How this government that is designed to be constrained and small for all of eternity can never get out of control. And, you know. And I feel like that is, you guys did not listen. (laughs) We gave you the rule book. (laughs) Here's the thing. People did listen. It's just they were listening to lawyers who were interpreting this shit. And people that were picking out the what parts they wanted people to listen to. And to get back to my point, why aren't these talking heads that are supposed to be on conservatives on TV bringing up like these slam dunk arguments? Because that would end the argument. Yeah. Because that would truly show the intent of our founding fathers and the people that made this country. And you can go, all right, you can have gun control if you admit this is not the country they created. Because very, very intentionally and specifically they have it along these lines 
So this is something else. This is this is like a monster. And here's the thing. I love the I, I love the marketing of America. Like I really do believe the marketing that I was taught. Like this is the land of the free. Like, yeah, we have more laws than like anybody else, but like it was born out of this desire to not have any kings or rulers, for people to be able to, for the first time in history, make their own path, except the natives. Sorry, guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not you. Everybody else, though. Are bad. <laughs> are bad. Hashtag, we sneezed a little bit. Uh, but like Noam Chomsky said, great leftist, and I got his name right this time. The reason you don't see real dissent is because they keep this debate to a very constrained section of the actual argument where like my best example is taxes. They argue the Republican will argue taxes need to go down by 2.5%. The Democrat will argue they need to go up by 3.5%. Meanwhile, nobody talks about if they should be taxed at zero or at a hundred percent like that. Yeah. You know, that it keeps that out of the argument and they can control it. Um, and that's why I, I feel like these damned, I think I've said it on here before. These these damned wolf in sheep's clothing conservative talking heads are like the worst. I think they're the preacher that smokes crack. Like I'm like, y'all are taking this thing I believe in and you're perverting it. Right. Stop it. I hate you worse than the atheist that's protesting outside. At least you know what he's protesting and yeah. trying to accomplish. And, and you're like, hey, he's kind of got a fucking point when you're smoking crack, preacher. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that atheist, you're giving him ammunition. Yeah. But, um, so I, I mentioned one of the bad parts of social media is kind of getting this information that can be wrong, but the nice part of it is, man, I'm seeing so many right wingers go like, oh, these cops like are supposed to, I back the blue cause they would die for my kids protecting them in this situation. They're like, oh, you stand around and wait cause someone might have body armor or might like. And you're arresting parents that are trying to do something, and I'm seeing so many switches click on different people. Whether they whether they don't whether they think it's a conspiracy set up by the CIA, which hey, maybe I just gotta see some good evidence first. Uh or whether it's a, a nut job that just went off and did this, but it's like, what did the police really do? They got rid of them, they killed them, but in a school zone, in a gun-free zone where the guy brings the guns and all of Canada just turned into that. Which, by the way, our Canadian friend Bubbles, what was his... Uh, Trudeau, for those of you that don't know, just banned all sales of handguns in Canada. Uh, what was our country Canadian bumpkin to the north's thoughts about that? Oh, he's losing his mind. Yeah. yeah. And that, from, his from, family moved to like, their cabin. Like, they have this like, city and like, there's like like just going old school to find canned goods and stuff. And from what I understand, Canada is a lot like the United States in the aspect that like the metropolises, the cities lean hard left, but then you go out in the woods away from that. And it's like, everybody's like, no, that's dumb shit. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Real sorry about that. Oh man. But Trudeau, I mean like back, back to my world economic forum, legit conspiracy theory talk. Every big thing this guy pushes, and I've, I've heard Canada used as an example by uh, Klaus Schwab, be like, yes, we have penetrated many government cabinets around the world, like Canada, like was the one he used. And it's like, oh, all this stuff this guy is saying is like beneficial to the 
this guy being Trudeau. Everything he's saying is beneficial to this World Economic Forum in some way. It's either disarming the populace, it's making them cheaper, or not cheaper, cheapening their money where they can't buy as much goods. It's, God, thank God in the United States we have a more complicated system where it's harder to get stuff done. Got like, thank, that was my one tip of the hat. It's not my only one, but it's a big one I'll give to the founding fathers. They were like, if one guy wants to do something in this country, it's going to be very hard. And then the progressives said, hold my beer. We're going to make a bunch of federal bureaucracies that don't even answer to Congress except for a little bit of oversight that are going to do what they want. But at least that that's a lot they have to invade, a lot more than just take over a president and make right. him do whatever you want. But, you know, I'm going to get off the real open. I, I don't I don't have an answer for Uvalde. It was a terrible guy doing terrible shit. Uh, I know, at least when it comes to the Second Amendment, don't touch my guns and we got a lot better arguments than the crap you're hearing on the TV and the news and just do, do your own damn research. Do, or, or holler at me, I'll send you some links. Um, I don't know, bad situation. I think we need to wait for a little bit more information to come out, if it ever does. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, Las Vegas. Uh, and see what happens from there. But I'm going to get off this broad, big topic, and I'm going to drop it down to a really niche topic. It's political, but I'm really hoping it's going to open some things up here in the near future. So what I'm talking about is a specific political caucus, and you're not going to... I try very hard not to care and not to tell people who to vote for. And that's when I'm talking about this political caucus, I'm not talking about necessarily people voting for them. Uh, it's the Mises caucus of the Libertarian Party. Now, let me say first and foremost, the Libertarian Party has mostly been up. It's had such good ideas in the party. They has been messaged in the crappiest and jokingliest way possible. They play it safe. They never say anything too controversial. They don't want to rock the boat too much. And it's almost like I, I heard a guy at the Mises Institute kind of sum it up like this. He goes, they, they're libertarian as they don't want to use the state to enforce a progressive agenda. He goes, they still want a progressive agenda just without a state enforcing it. And he goes, no, 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 no. We're about... You live however you want. You want to be as conservative as you want or liberal as you want, whatever. You you ream the ramifications of that. So an example of what I'm talking about, about how bad the Libertarian Party has been of this. Uh, do you remember the last Libertarian presidential nominee, Merce? And I'm asking Merce, who has like no idea about any of this. He's my straight man on this, and I'm the ultra nerd. No. I yeah. Couldn't, I couldn't tell no, no, nobody does. Jo her name was Joe Jorgensen. She was about as exciting as a saltine cracker. I'll tell you this, if you were to ask her, like, her opinions on policies, me and her would probably, like, line up 99% of the way, or, like, 90. But how she went about it was the most boring, and they all have been. The one everyone remembers is Gary Johnson, who, what do you remember about Gary Johnson, Merce? I don't remember. I don't you don't even remember, remember Gary Johnson? Johnson. <laughs> if you remember anything, it was, what is Aleppo? And he was, like, the, the governor that smoked pot. Would be like the way to remember him, and every and every one slaps their head. He, he was what I was talking about the last episode with like it's part of his identity almost, and it's like, uh, stop. Yeah. But like one of Joe Jorgensen's big tweets 
was, uh, oh God, what was it? And this was in the summer of love in 2020. Y'all remember the summer of love when all the buildings were on fire (laughs) and all the riots were happening and there's BLM riots. Uh, what some of some were peaceful protests, but the the ones that CNN was calling. I thought that we hadn't peaked then. Yeah, (laughs) it's still going. going. Good God. Horribly good point. Uh, if CNN was calling it a peaceful protest, it wasn't. Uh, but Joe Jorgensen at that time, her, she was the libertarian nominee. She said, we must, it's not enough to not be racist. We all must actively be anti-racist. And all the libertarians collectively went, that's kind of none of your fucking business. <laughs> like that's we're we're in the legal camp, not in the, what you should think camp. Uh, anyways, that was as strong as the messaging got. Which, Merce, what's your impersonation just of that? I completely zoned out. Okay, yeah. All right, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah, because no, nobody cares. Nobody cares. I'm, 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 my brain literally just crickets. It's the part, it's the political party I'm most, I'm not even going to say associated with, that I tend to like their planks the most. And God, they've sucked. Now, there's been a caucus that's risen up in this that is named after a guy named Ludwig von Mises. Or Ludwig. I'm glad you said something because I thought the name was... Yeah, the name sounds (laughs) weird. I'm not going to lie. Here's why they named it after Mises. Here's how badass of a guy he was. All right? It's back uh, in the late 30s, post-war Germany. Nazis have come to political power. I don't know if they're necessarily gassing Jews yet, but they're definitely looking at them funny. Uh, And Ludwig von Mises is one of the most, and you got to realize the Nazis really hated two things. They hated freedom loving capitalists and they really hated communists. (laughs) Like that was there. And they were like, we're going to use fascism, which is like a good mixture of those two. It's a free market that the government can't control. That's not really free, but there's still a market at least. Uh, and they hired Mises to be like, hey, you're a good economist and mathematician. Help us prove communism wrong. And he goes, no problem. Writes it all out, has a big law, like he makes a big study and puts on paper mathematically how communism doesn't work. However, there's a kicker to his thesis. He's kind of like, well, for the same reason communism won't work, it's the same reason fascism won't work, it's the same reason democracy won't work it's, it's government yeah. you all have government involved and that we can't figure out the prices of shit and he's like that's the thing if you don't know the, the government gets rid of prices because it just absorbs it on a tax base and he mathematically proved like none of this works in the end and the nazis were like get them <laughs> like get them no 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 you ain't allowed to disprove communism that hard they burned the guy's library down he immigrated to the united states had none of his notes had not like or hardly any of his stuff he could survive with learned english and rewrote his library all right and the guy mathematically proved none of this government shit works he's brilliant he's an anarchist and uh michael high started the mises caucus Named it after this dude. And his thing was, he goes, if you think it's bad now, if you think we're in a bad place and you're like freedom oriented, he goes, 
This was the only guy that believed in this stuff. Like he was the one, like there's like a couple of thousand or maybe a couple million of us now. This was the one. Yeah. And he just spread it out to some others and it's grown since then. So the thing about the Mises caucuses, this is what I'm getting in the nuts and bolts of. They have recently swept and taken over the Libertarian Party. And a shitload of people have quit over it. Because they're like, they're too racist, or they're too, which they're not racist at all. Hell, it's run by Jews and black people at the top of it. But they're like, it's black people that say all gun control is racist. And they go to the hood and show blacks how to use guns properly and like, like really do stuff we'd all like. Uh, I'm going to share with y'all, since they've taken over, they started a meme campaign to be like, hey, here's the new Libertarian Party, right? Here's the new face of it. I'm going to quote the one meme they sent out. Uh, it's a quote by Michael Badnarik. And here's the thing. With previous, like, Libertarian presidential nominees or anyone that had a chance at getting any public attention, they would say the really cool parts very quietly and the very corporate parts very loud. Mises is switching that around. At least the idea is. And here's the quote from Michael Badnarik, the Libertarian presidential nominee in 2004, but this is Mises putting out on Twitter. And tell me, how do you feel about this quote? Quote, I'm a very peaceful man. I love people and I'm known for my gregarious personality. However, if you try to confiscate my guns, I will feel compelled to give them to you one bullet at a time. Nice. Yeah, like that's the new, that and this is gonna... Again, I'm not going to tell the first person that isn't inclined to to vote for Mises Caucus or to vote at all. I don't care how people vote. What I am excited about is now this group has the keys to an official Twitter, a blue checkmark Twitter platform, a political party that in all kinds of ways can't be censored. Like if there's people you can't censor via current analysis of the Constitution, it's political parties. And they're about to start a shitstorm. Like what my hope is, what Ron Paul did for two years during his Republican presidential campaign, you're about to hear on repeat over and over again. And if you think the corporate press is having a hard time keeping the lid on stuff right now, I think it's about to explode. And they're not going to know what to do with themselves. However, I could be very wrong about this. And like I said, this is a real niche topic. I'm sure as soon as I said Libertarian Party, a lot of people tuned out. And I, the, my point is, I don't blame you for tuning out. And it's been garbage. Oh, it literally happened to me. Yeah, it literally, <laughs> my producer who's supposed to pay attention and catch my mistakes and everything. But yeah, he tuned out. My hope is that these people, we're, we're about to have somebody with a much bigger spoon to stir the pot. And uh, Michael Malice might be in charge of their Twitter. And he's the guy that wrote the Anarchist Handbook. And he's single-handedly the best troll on Twitter. Just the best shit starter. So that's my white pill. Um, That's my hope for the future. That this mind virus that is freedom, that is the belief in freedom, but if you look at it like a virus, voting is just a symptom of the virus. Not everybody that thinks a certain way votes that certain way. Most people don't vote at all. But if you can just get enough people thinking a certain way, to hell with how they vote. Try enforcing a law on a group of people that just all collectively go, we don't believe in the laws from Washington, D.C. Yeah. That's what I'm hoping is about to kick off. 
And who knows, it might start with we don't believe in the laws from Washington, D.C. and trickle down to, eh, we don't really believe the laws in Tallahassee. <laughs> we just want our community, we want our neighborhoods rules run by us and not some guy a thousand miles away that has no idea about my situation. But everybody, that's been my episode. It's getting late. I hope y'all have enjoyed my ramblings. Uh, please follow me at Bandit Radio Hour on Twitter. Uh, check out my YouTube. Leave the comments. Uh, I will reply to every single one I can. And if you have any criticisms, any feedback, shoot them at me. I will highlight them on the episode. Good talking to y'all. And uh, y'all be safe out there.